0: Okay, we're in chapter 12 and we're beginning the chapter and we're going to learn about King Yoash who's the new king of Judea and we saw last chapter how he was crowned at the tender age of seven years old after surviving a, a massacre at the hands of Italia. and he was the uh, sole survivor of that massacre, the lone heir of David who survived and he was hidden in the temple from the wicked Italia. and when the time was ripe, the priest, Jehoiada, uh executed a perfectly uh, planned rebellion, and Yoash was crowned there. That's how we left off the last uh, chapter, and now we're going to uh, learn what kind of king Yoash was when he grew up. So it says here in chapter 12, verse 1, Ben Sheva Ashanim Yehoash b'malko, and Yoash was seven years old when he became king. So we see the scriptures added a hey to his name. Instead of Yoash, it's Yehoash from now on. So the hey added, is added to his name now that he's been the king, uh, been, uh, has become king, and that will remain in his name all the time, I believe. So it's now in verse 2, or Yeho-ash. So in the seventh year of Yehu, Yoash became the king. So, we do that all the time in Scripture. Whenever we talk about a king and when he ruled, we, the Scripture gives over what was happening on the other side of town, what was happening in the kingdom of Judea while the king of Israel was ruling, and when the kingdom of Judea was ruling, what was going on in the kingdom of Judea. So it says, Yoash was ruling while Yehu was in his seventh year. So Yehu's the king of Shamron, the ten tribes, and it makes a lot of sense that he ruled in the seventh year of Yehu and that he's seven years old. Because if you recall, Yehu was anointed, he came right out of the gate from his anointment and executed King Yoram and King Ahaziah He did that right away, right? And Ahaziah of course, is the father of Yoash, and he was executed. And it says the next chapter that Atalia, when she heard that Ahaziyahu was was killed, that triggered her to perpetrate the massacre. And so Yoash now survived for seven years. He was hiding for seven years. So now that he's become king in the seventh year of Yehu. Again, that makes a whole bunch of sense. And it says in the continuation of verse two, And he reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years. So 40 years is a nice amount of time. It's the same amount of time David ruled and Solomon ruled. But you have to remember, Yoash is starting out very young. So 40 years for him isn't all that much. Which means that something's going to happen to him that will end his kingdom uh, abruptly, and so it says in the end of verse two, "Veshemi mot Svia mi Ber sheva. and the name of his mother was Svia from Beersheva. So we give his uh, the scripture gives the name of his mother. She his name her name was Svia, and that's a common name in Israel. Like you have the name Svi, you have the name Svia. And um, it's the name of an opener in Hebrew. Many openers are called Tsvia. The high, Jewish high sc- uh, girls' high schools in Israel are called tzviyah too. And she was righteous, according to the sages, and she was a good influence on Yoash. Remember, her husband, Achaziah, was evil. Very bad. And she was not. And that's why maybe Yoash, that was part of Yoash's uh, positive upbringing, that he was righteous in the eyes of the Lord. And that's what verse 3 tells us. It says in verse 3, Veyas Yoash Yashabine Hashem Yamav, And Yoash did was proper in the eyes of the Lord all his days. Ashehirau Yo Yada Kohen that Yo the priest instructed him. Now, the verse here seems it seems harmless enough. It's telling us that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The problem is, why does it have to say at the end of the verse, what Yo the priest instructed him? I mean what is what is that all about? We understand that Yoya the priest took him under his wing. Obviously, when you're ruling at seven years old, you're gonna have to have a mentor. And who's better than Yohoyada the priest to be his mentor. But why does the it seems like the verse is also making contingent that he was proper, he did proper and Yo the priest instructed him. So what's happening here, and the sages teach us, is that as long as Yahodah the priest was instructing him. Then he was doing proper in the eyes of the Lord. But when Yehoyadah, the priest, wasn't around anymore, then Yoash wasn't doing so hot. And that's really going to be borne out in Chronicles. We're going to see that clear in Chronicles that Yo'ash was doing fine as long as Yoyada the priest, was around instructing him. So the verse is telling us a lot more than Yehoyadah, the priest, took him under his wing. It's telling us that when Yoyada the priest, passed away, Yoash wasn't doing proper in the eyes of the Lord anymore. And that, again, it's not just a, a drusha. It's something that we'll see clearly in Chronicles later on. But um, the problem with that, what I just said, though, is it says he did proper, Yoash did proper, all of his days. Kol Yamav, all of his days. So if it was only during the time that Yoadah was instructing him, why would it say all of his days? So the so Yobarbanel the says, because it's not talking about all of Yoash's days, we're talking about all of Yehoyedah's days. That is, all of Yadah's days, then Yoash was doing proper in the eyes of the Lord. That is, kolayamav is going on Yadah, and it's not going on Yoash. Okay, so let's now look at verse 4. Rak losaru. So, however, so rak means it comes to exclude that yeah, he was righteous, except for what? Habamot losaru. He did not remove the bamot, which are the altars. He did not remove the altars. So what altars are we talking about? We're not talking about, God forbid, altars for idol worshipping. No. We're talking about altars that they sacrificed to Hashem. As the verse continues, the people were mizabchim uh, umekatrim. They were slaughtering, they were burning incense incense and there were slaughtering and sacrifices on the high places again the high places were to hashem but the problem was and why is it said however that means something it's something bad because they weren't supposed to be doing that once the temple was built hashem did not want us anymore using these bamot these private uh altars that we had on our rooftops the jews had in their backyards on their private premises because they were allowed to have that before the temple was built. But once the temple was built, Hashem wanted us to all come to Jerusalem to sacrifice. And therefore, uh, the people apparently had a big problem shaking the habit of these bamot. And they remained in their psyche. And the kings of Israel were not able to remove them of their habit. Okay, now verse 5. (laughs) And Yoash said to the Kohanim, Kesef All of the holy things. I Yuvayel Beit Hashem Kesef Over. That is brought over to the house of the money who passes. In a minute we're going to see what we're talking about here. And then it says, Ish Kesef Nafshot And all the money, which is the value of the people, that he vows. And all the money, Kesef Ish. All the money that comes upon a man's heart. Lavi Beit Hashem, to bring to the temple. So, before we go on here, so we don't get confused anymore, what's happening here is, Yoash wants to renovate the temple. Bedeq So he's talking about the different revenues that flowed into the temple. And he's saying all these monies, he wants to be allocated for the renovation of the temple. So he divides it up. Let's look at it again, verse 5. Beit Hashem that is the money that's brought to the house of the Lord of anyone who passes the numbering. And what we're talking about here from the words, we know we're talking about the Maxita Shekel. That is, the people used to bring a Mahsita shekel to, to the temple. That's the money that everybody brought the same amount. And that's what it says in um Pashat Kitisa. Yitnu kolovera pkudim. Machzita shekel. So that's where we have the numbering, right? the they would number the Jews by the by the machsita shekel they brought. And that was money that was allocated for the communal sacrifices. So that money plus the money, which is the value of the people, what are they talking about? Well, in, that's another form of revenue that would be uh, coming to the temple. And that was called endowment evaluations. It, it's in uh, Leviticus 27. It talks about these endowment evaluations, that this is a type of um, oath that the people would express a vow. They'd give a vow, a nether. To donate to uh, to the temple, and they called them in again an endowment eva- uh, evaluation. That's arko. That's what is nibu, according to their erech, and it gives a whole stipulation. If you're twenty to sixty, you give fifty shekel. If you're five to twenty, you give this amount, and if you're a woman, you give this amount. It's like you're giving what you're worth. Okay, that's called a endowment evaluation kesef nafshot arko. So that's another kind of revenue. And the other one, in the end of verse 5, is And that's just a voluntary uh, truma. Any kind of voluntary uh, donation you want to give. It, not, it doesn't have to be machsita shekel. It could be just whatever comes from your heart. All that money, what are you going to do with it? And now it says in verse 6, this is what we're going to do with all that revenue. The priests are going to take it each one from his acquaintance, that is the priest is going to take this donation, and they're going to use that money, to strengthen the temple, the damage of the temple, that there was damage to the temple. Any place you might find some damage over there, you're going to use these uh, these revenues that flow into the temple against the machsit shekel, and the endowment evaluations and the the devote and the voluntary uh, donations, all that you're going to allocate to fix the temple. So what's happening here is instead of raising a special tax to use for the temple renovations, we're going to use the truma. We're going to use the donations that come to the temple and we're going to use that to renovate the temple. Now, why do you have to renovate the temple? I mean, why should it be damaged? Well, first of all, you got to figure it's about 150 years old now. Solomon built it and a long time has passed, 150 years uh, approximately. And so, you know, there's a lot of wear and tear. So maybe you got to fix it. But more likely is that you got to remember who's been ruling Judea for the last couple generations. You have Yoram, Haziah, and atalia three bad kings. And we know that there was a lot of idol worship going on in their time. We saw the Baal worship being destroyed after uh, Atalia was assassinated, executed. They had to wipe out the Baal, right? I mean, there was a whole kind of idol worship going on in Jerusalem. So it's not unlikely that they trashed, they trashed the temple during that time as well or neglected it terribly. And therefore, because of the neglect, there's a need to do a bedekabite and a renovation of the house. By the way, we see this, we do this Haftorah uh, on the first week of adar because that's when they used to get the this is the haftorah we read from the prophets from the here so this might be familiar to you by the way it's unfortunate that the only time people read navi prophets and the reason i'm doing the shiur is cause usually the only people who read the prophets they read it during the haftorah in the Beit knesset that, so they get a look at what the navi is all about but if it wasn't for that we don't know if they'd open their bible Except you know the Christians they do open the Bible, but Jews don't do that enough, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing the shiur. Okay, so now it says now in verse eight. And wait, I'm in verse seven. I'm sorry, verse seven. We're in verse seven. And it was in the twenty-third year of King Yoash. The priest did not strengthen the damages of the house. Now, that's strange. We just said that they were supposed to do it. Why didn't they do it? It says in the 23rd year of Yoash. So now we see he's older now. He's in his 23rd year. He's not a kid anymore. He's going to be exactly, we know how exactly old he is. If he ruled at seven and he's in his 23rd year, that means he's um, 30. Okay? So, He's, it says the priests did not strengthen the damages of the house. What are they corrupt? That they did what they pocketed the money? God forbid. What happened was, according to um, this Pshat, and the Rough Steiners brings this down, that there was just a problem in the um management of the money. Uh the renovations uh, weren't being done efficiently. It wasn't managed properly, and that's why it says that they did not strengthen the damages. They, they didn't succeed in doing it. It's not they didn't want to do it, it just wasn't done. So, what happens in verse 8? And Yoash summoned Yo Yada, the priest, and then the priests. He summoned the priests as well. And he said to them, Why are you not repairing the damage of the house? Don't take money from your acquaintances anymore. Just use it for the damages of the house. So what's going on? What is this um, uh, advice here or this this instruction that Yoash is saying? Why is he saying you're not repairing the damages of the house? So the redact says that um, it's kind of a machlokit what's going on. According to Rashi, it says, it's that um, you just don't repair it anymore from your own money. That's what he's saying. Take no money. That is, don't do it with your own money. Do it with the money I told you to do it with. But according to the Redak, uh, that the, the priests were waiting for the money to accumulate and they didn't want to take, you know, use. they didn't want to take it out of their own pockets. And Yor suspected them of taking money for themselves and neglecting to fill their part of the agreement. So according to Yoash, he's, I'm sorry, according to the Redak, Yoash is calling them out for not stealing the money, but not using it for the Bedekeh They're using it for the usual true moat in masrot, for the regular donations to the temple. In any case, something's going wrong, okay? Something's going wrong. It's not working out. And what I want to point out, though, is that notice in verse 8, it says, he caught the Yehoyedah, and then he kind of chews him out. You know, he chews out Yehoyedah in the corner. Now, you got to be careful to chew out Yehoyedah you owe a lot to Yo Yada the Kohen. Don't show him up in front of everybody. You you owe your life to Yo yada Yo did that rebellion to save you and make you king and took you under your wing. And now you're 30 years old and you're bossing him around. You're showing him up. And maybe, maybe we see a little bit of what's going to happen later on. We know again that Yoash will go off the derech. He's not, he's going to stray from the proper path. In Chronicles, we're going to see that. Okay? In Chronicles, we're gonna see that Yoash goes off the path, and maybe here we see kind of the tip of the iceberg that he's scolding uh, the priest or the Kohanim and he's doing it in front of the priest, and that's just maybe just not right. And um we'll see now what happens, uh what happens with the Bedekabayat with the renovations of the house, in our next.